Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Hi, Tom. How's it going, Jay? Good. Hey, I have a question for you. Um, when you were at U of M as an undergrad, did you ever sneak into the law school library to study? I, do you mean pretend to study so the, so the ladies would see me and think I'm smart? <laughs> yeah, the older, <laughs> more sophisticated ladies at the law school, yeah. Yes, yeah. right. Uh, yeah, I did only because it was beautiful and serene in that building. But um, yeah, exactly. I know that I, I raise it because that was that was probably the my, I think it's it's the the jewel of the of the U of, U of M campus and and certainly when I was in law school there I spent a lot of time in that law library, law, uh, law library. Unlike an undergrad, I actually was studying in law school. So, um, <laughs> right. but uh, but yeah, it, I, I miss that too. I don't know about you, but just I you know I get to the library now when I'm um, you know oftentimes with my kids, but I never make it into the adult section, and I I miss that experience. Um, and I actually was listening to a podcast the other day and. Uh, I believe it was Michael Lewis was talking about, you know, his writing and how he likes to spend a considerable amount of time in libraries, both because you know, there's a lot of, I mean, while we live in a digitized world, um, there's a lot of old texts and academic studies that probably haven't made it their way to the internet. And, and you know, you can find that sort of, you know, unique, arcane, old material in a law library or a, or a regular library. And, and he also uh, raised that, it's it's just an enjoyable experience to work with someone, a librarian in that case, who is enthusiastic and extremely helpful in helping you to do your job better. So, um, so yeah, I don't know about you, but I I, I'm, I I need to spend more time in libraries. Yeah, I agree. And I w was never an attorney, as you know, but I was an English major. So I love books and I love literally books. So I love the smell, the touch, the feel. Um, just the physical aspect of, of perusing them or searching them out. So I agree. And I don't go to a library enough just because of the world we live in. But we got a couple yeah. of good ones, as you know, and where we live and where you used to live. So maybe you've inspired me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, might inspire you more uh, to speak with our guest today, who uh, is going to talk about the important role that library and knowledge management teams in law firms play in supporting and enhancing marketing and business development. So I'm excited to welcome to the podcast, Greg Lambert, who is the Chief Knowledge Officer at Jackson Walker in, its Houston, in Houston. And he is also a prolific thought leader. He's a podcaster with The Geek and Review, Instaclusion, and Jackson Walker's Fast Takes podcast. Uh, Greg is also the co-founder of the very popular and excellent Three Geeks in a Law blog. So, Greg, we're delighted to have you on the show today. All right. Thanks, Jay Toms. Good to be here. Welcome. Right. Um, so, Greg, let's get things kicked off um, by talking about uh, the role of library and knowledge management teams um, in a law firm. When I, I practiced at a couple um, large law firms, and we had uh, those departments, um, but you know, frankly, I didn't consider, um, and, I, and part of it was because, uh, you know, I was relatively young, you know, sort of junior to mid-level associate, so I wasn't doing a tremendous amount of marketing and business development, but, um, you know, I, I didn't but should have considered uh, those teams to be more uh, integral to things like marketing and business development. So maybe you can 
get things kicked off by talking about um, the role of uh, teams, those teams, and in terms of collaborating with marketing and business development teams? Yeah, so uh, I have always had a very tight relationship with my marketing team. In fact, uh, one of the first things I did when I moved from my old firm of uh, King and Spalding, and I came to Jackson Walker, and Jackson Walker is a much smaller regional firm versus King and Spalding, which was a global uh, firm uh, in in two or three times as big. Uh, but one of the first things I did was made sure that I went and talked with the, uh, with the CMO and kind of explained some of the, some of the things that I had been working on uh, for years, how relationship was and, and how the library and knowledge services and, and knowledge management are really there to help get them the information quickly that they need in order for them to uh, make decisions, uh, create content, and uh, you know form a message that the lawyers need and the firm needs to help develop business. Yeah, and and that is that is so true. I mean, good data, um, up to date information, uh, you know. Things that lawyers, you know, when we think about thought leadership in particular, um, you know, lawyers oftentimes uh, will will sort of discuss and analyze an issue. But um, and and we just addressed this in our last episode. But going deeper and finding ways to you know better contextualize that information and um, and maybe add a unique take on it um, with resources that a, a library and knowledge management team could provide um, makes that content more interesting, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And and one of the things that, uh, and it's not true for every firm, but in most firms, when it comes to the external data and that uh, we access, whether that's capital IQ for business information or news information, um, even, you know, legal, legal news, uh, most of those databases are housed in the library. That's just traditionally where the budget has been set up. And it's where most of the people are that know the ins and outs of how to get to that information. So what I've always worked on is, you know, having that strong communication between the departments because the marketing team knows what it is that they, you know, or envisions what it is that they want to, to put out. And the library research folks understand the content and where that content is. And so as long as those two teams are, are communicating back and forth, I mean, you've got a powerhouse there. It's a, it's a great combination. Yeah. And so how are, you know, a, a couple, couple things here, especially when it comes to, uh, to uh, you know, dealing with lawyers within a law firm. How are you communicating, uh, or and are you directly communicating um, as as a leader of your team with lawyers, um, informing them about the resources that you you provide and have available to them, and and your team does, and then I guess as a second part of that question, um, you know for law for lawyers, how are they leveraging the information from the library and the knowledge management department um, for their own client development needs? Well, a lot of times what you what the lawyers need is just in time information. They need to know, you know, as soon as their client has been sued, 
the faster they can get that information, the faster they can reach out uh, to the client and look look responsive. Um, one of the things that we do when when I go out and I talk with the practice groups uh, is kind of give them the thirty thousand foot picture of you know here here's what we can do and give them an example or two. But really, what I, my job is is to kind of throw that out there and then sit back and listen. Uh, because I can create all kinds of solutions to problems that don't exist. And what I need to do is be there to solve the problem that actually does exist. And so being, being there to listen, understand what the needs are of the practice groups, of the individual attorneys, and then working with them uh, collaboratively to say, all right, here's what we can do. We're gonna, we're gonna test this. We're, you, you and me and my team are gonna go and try a few things and we're gonna throw some spaghetti up on the wall, see how it sticks. And then we're gonna come back and, you know, and, and do that whole cycle. I think you've probably seen the, uh, the, the cycle of, of, you know, it's like, you know, do, then, you know, implement, learn, repeat. Yeah. Uh, and, that's, and that's what we do. Um, so it's never perfect the first time. And I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times uh, if it's not right out of the gate, uh, lawyers don't, you know, they may not come back. And so it's my responsibility to build that relationship so that we can do that. And even if we fail, they don't shut us out. And, and so that's, that's how it is. It's, you know, we, we leverage or I leverage my team so that they can leverage uh, that to build business because, you know, it's a law firm, but yeah, it's a, it's a business. Yeah. And speaking of building business, um, I'm curious as someone who had, had just admitted that I've only pretended to utilize the resources of a law library. So you could educate me a little bit um, on some, maybe some best practices on how, because on this podcast, Jay and I always talk about to the point that you just made, Greg, is you need to take subject matter expertise or raw data or knowledge that exists somewhere. As a thought leader, you need to convert that into accessible information that is going to lead to a conversation that ultimately will hopefully position you for a new business. So we say we're helping some, you know, lawyers turn subject matter expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into business development, right? Yeah. yeah. So what are the path to me there sounds like there's probably some gaps in between the data that exists in a law in a library which is very technical and the lawyer is going to use that as a resource right to gather information to convert that into thought leadership so that's one maybe gap or step right. in the process but if the end user or the person who's going to ultimately hire an attorney is not an attorney him or herself but is in a position to maybe vet attorneys. Now there's another gap, which is making sure that the thought leadership then is accessible to the end user and we're not talking over their heads or sounding quote unquote like a lawyer. So I'm curious how you, you can bridge those gaps and make it the seamless transition. So we are utilizing resources in a library, but we're making them accessible in a way that the market's going to get it, want to understand it, and then ultimately want to hire us. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the best and worst things about uh, the age that we live in now is that information is extremely accessible, um, and that's and that's great. But I can't deal with a thousand pages of data. Um, I need to know, you know, I need I need I need a one pager, right? And I need that to to be in English. Well, for me to write in a way that you would understand, I need to understand how you're thinking. 
And I think that that works all the way across the spectrum that if, if we know this is going out to a certain type of client, what, how does that client think? Can that lawyer, can the person in marketing who is reaching out to develop that, can they bring that message back to the person that's doing the research? Because if I know what the objectives are, then I can tailor my type of research to meet those objectives. But if you tell me that, hey, I've got, I've got a pitch to XYZ client, I need to know everything about them, I will give you everything about them because that's for what you asked worse. for. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is uh, and, and I think, you know, I, and I've never experienced this, but I know a lot of people that have, there, there can be a budding of heads in between uh, marketing and the library or, or the research department. And I, I use a saying, and if you've ever listened to any of my podcasts, you've heard me say this, is that all problems are communication problems. And if you don't give the person that's pulling the data, the, the scope, the limitations of what it is that you're looking for, then they're just going to be guessing. And when they come back and it's not right, it's not their fault. It's the person that's asking for the data's fault. And so there can be this, this going back and forth because, you know, the, then, you know, they, they go, well, I can't take this to the attorney, blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, and it can cause some friction in between. So I, I will tell you this, that your researcher um, has a thick skin that uh, a lot of times, uh, as long as you can kind of tell them what it is you're looking for, and trust me, there's been a lot of times where you, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, the Supreme Court and, and pornography. It, you don't know it until you see it, but when you see it, you know. It. Um, and, and that's fine. And so what, what I've done to help bridge that is, okay, you may not know exactly what it is, you know, to, to narrow this down, but let's, you know, let's get something in front. Let, let's get some eyes on some re results here. So what I tell my folks is, hey, give them something and just say, here's, here's where we're going with this. This is the type of information that I'm finding. Does this fit what you need? And that way they can come back and say, yeah, that's spot on. Keep, you know, keep going, uh, you know, and, and focus on, on this or they'll go, no, that's, that's, you know, that's in another direction. Um, what I really want is X. And I, I have found that that's been one of the best keys to success is, is giving, you know, constant updates, giving them bits of information up front to make sure that we're on the right path, and then hearing in return that communication and clarification of what it is the end results and the goals are and how we can modify the data that, that we're pulling uh, to help us get to that goal. Hey, Greg, let's, uh, let's make a transition here from uh, talking about thought leadership for lawyers to, to Greg Lambert as a thought leader. All and, right. uh, My favorite topic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so I, I'm really interested in, in hearing you talk about um, your, your blog, uh, Three Geeks and a Law Blog, which um, is, is definitely something that uh, is, is a favorite place of mine to go for what I'll call interesting, eclect, somewhat eclectic content um, with some common threads that run through it. And maybe you can correct me on that description, but um, it's... It's a great uh, place to to go and and get a get a pulse of the legal industry and some of the issues that uh, are are you know sort of pulsing through it. Uh, 
so tell me what is uh, kind of what's the origin story? How did how did Three Geeks and a Log Blog come about? And maybe just describe a little bit about you know what impact that has had on your career. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, deep in the Scandinavian forest, there was a sword that was stuck into a rock. And uh, oh, wait a minute—that's a different story. Um, <laughs> so jump ahead just a bit, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the three original geeks are myself, uh, Lisa Salazar, who is a digital marketing uh, person at uh, at the time it was Fulbright Jaworski, now it's Norton Rose Fulbright. Uh, Toby Brown, who was also uh, he was actually a KM manager, director at Fulbright, and all three of us were in Houston, and I was at King & Spaulding um, as the uh, library and records manager. And we had lunch one day, and Lisa thought that it would be, you know, we had three different views of uh, the administrative side of large law firms. And she thought it would be really cool to come up and just kind of have our eclectic, um, but somewhat related uh, you know, understandings of, of the work that we're doing in order to help with the business of law and create these stories and tell, and, you know, and tell everyone what we're doing. And this was 2008, but it was pre uh, 2008. Uh, this was like September, I'm sorry, it was July, 2008. So the economy hadn't tanked. We were, you know, we were riding a wave uh, at that point. So it sounded like a great idea. Um, and, you know, in a way, the timing was good for us because soon thereafter, the, the markets crashed, uh, the, the whole real estate uh, debacle happened. And so people were really looking for ways of different ways of, of managing and, and uh, doing administra administration uh, in law firms. And so uh, we, we kind of got lucky. Um, I always say that. And then um, the, I think the thing that really kind of tipped us over was uh, I was working on a project where I was tracking movement between firms for, for something else. And DLA Piper laid off like 100 plus people uh, in one day. I had the names of every single person they had laid off. And, and I didn't put the names out, but I did some, uh, I did some surveys based on it, you know, who, who got laid off with practice groups. And so that, I think that got picked up by above the law. So that got some more eyes on us. Um, and, you know, and since that, that time, uh, we've added and subtracted some people that have come on, Rob, Ryan McLeod, uh, Casey Flaherty, uh, Marlene Gaybauer, Zena Applebaum are, are some names. Um, I hate starting naming people because I'm going to leave people off. Um, but it's been this very eclectic. But again, the common thread is this is the administrative side of law. Um, it's not about you know, I'm going to tell you the name of a case and I'm going to walk you through this, this case uh, and, and how, how the law applies. It was, you know, I'm going to tell you the situation on how we do um, uh, flat fee uh, billing in a large law firm. And that's the kind of content uh, people like to hear because um, it's something that they want to do and it's something, but they don't want to be the ones that are the first to do it. So they want to hear those stories of how other people are doing it. I'm curious, Greg, at what point and why and to what effect you introduced podcasting into the mix? Because obviously that's something Jay and I have a, a love for. And we had a prior guest, um, Adrian Lurson from JD Supra, who made the claim on this podcast that every law firm should have a podcast. 
um, and not many do. So I'm curious at what point you introduced it, why, and then what's, you know, what has been the result or feedback from it? Yeah, so we, you know, I, I'll tell you, we were 10 years into Three Geeks and Law Blog, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't stale, but we had slowed down. I mean, when we, uh, the first few years we were posting, we had enough people that we were posting multiple times a week, um, and, and it was, it was good. But then, you know, we all, uh, most of us uh, moved up the ranks, changed law firms, uh, got busy. And, and so that, that kind of uh, uh, tamped down just a little bit. Uh, Marlene Gabauer, who's my co-host on it, um, she is the one that really uh, uh, kind of prodded us to do a podcast. And she had been um, suggesting this probably at least 18 months, two years before we decided to do it. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, on a, on a whim, I guess I had some time. Um, I had listened to some other podcasts and started really enjoying the format and could see the value uh, in it. And so I reached back out to her and I said, look, if you want to, you want to tag team on this, I, I'll do it. I'll learn. Uh, I'll learn the back end of it. Uh, you, you know, we'll, we'll uh, do the content and uh, see how it, see how it goes. And I will tell you, I just, I love it. I just, I have, I have a blast at it. I get to reach out and talk to people like yourselves that when, you know, there's not very many other opportunities that I'm going to get to have this type of round table discussion and then share it uh, with the world. Um, so there's a, there's a great amount of value in it for my side of the firm. Now, the, Second part of your question, which is, you know, law firms and, and uh, Adrian's great. He's, uh, he's been doing this a whole heck of a lot longer than, than I have. Um, I, I like the idea of having law firms do it. I had, I had actually kind of prodded my firm to do it. It took, a, a, it took a worldwide pandemic for us to finally pull the trigger, but you know, that never let a crisis go to waste. Right. Um, and, and the thing is, and, and I don't know if Adrian uh, had covered this, but um, you're, for a personal podcast, the, the metrics are different. You, you're looking at a broad audience. You want, you want, you like those numbers, you know, you, you look at the stats and say, you know, hey, this, you know, this episode did really well, um, you know, that, and uh, there's a, a certain pride in that. For the law firm, it's a little, little bit different. Now, if you have a practice group that you know puts content out all the time, um, versus what we're doing, which is a all of our practice groups share the same platform for us. So there's a there's a, a wide variety of, of different topics that come out, um, and so. Uh, you know, uh, last week it was about healthcare. This week it was about immigration. Um, and the thing is, the metrics change. The thing that's important is not the number of ears that listen, but who's behind those ears. You got to get it to the right people. And that means that the attorneys have to actually share that information with their, uh, you know, on their LinkedIn page, uh, you know send an email out to some of their you know, clients that they know this is an issue that they don't necessarily want to get on a phone call with them, but just say, Hey, look, I, I did this thing on H1B visas. Uh, I think it applies to you. It's a, it's a, you know, a short listen, you know, uh, take that. 
Um, and the successes, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling here, but I'm on a roll now. Um, the, success, the successes are different in that um, you don't necessarily want hundreds or thousands of listens if you don't get any business from it, right? And I, I told them right out of the gate, we had, we, we kind of, you know, well, you make your own luck, really, but we kind of got lucky in that I think it was the second episode that, that we did. Um, the first one had a lot of listens. The second one did not have as many listens, but within two days, we had clients that had signed up because that was an issue that was confronting those clients. And even though we, you know, it had like, a, you know, half or less of the listens than the previous one, we actually had some work from it. Um, and then, so that's one type of success. Another one is I had an, an attorney that was on and uh, he had someone from one of the local media outlets that listened to it. And so he had the, the local media had him come in and that sprung to, okay, now I'm presenting to the whole statewide media group that this, uh, the, uh, this uh, radio station uh, is on. And uh, he goes, not only, you know, at first we thought, oh, we're just going to present to them and, you know, maybe do an interview for them. But what it ended up being was, no, we want to bring you on and guide us and be our attorneys on this because this is an issue that uh, confronts us. So, you know, the, the, the victories are not the numbers alone. The victories are not just the amount of people that are listening, but rather the victories are more the, the small wins, the small um, uh, results that you get that actually uh, help uh, drive the bottom line or, or get the firm's name out there. Yeah, Greg, couldn't agree more on, on all of that. I think those are fantastic points about the role that podcasting plays in, in the modern law firm. Um, so before we let you go, one last question. Um, so a lot of lawyers are, would, would be hesitant to do this if, if you proposed it to them, but obviously you and your colleagues in, in more law firm administration roles have, have successfully collaborated in the creation of thought leadership content over the years and, and have all, you know, you and your firms, um, I would assume, have benefited from that. Um, should more lawyers be thinking about collaborating with lawyers at other firms? Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, I, I hate to ask you, can you, can you rephrase that a little sure. bit just to make sure I understand? Yeah, that. no, absolutely. So, you know, you think about um, the creation of thought leadership as a lawyer and, you know, oftentimes it's seen as something done individually or with other lawyers within the same law firm. Okay. Um, in, in your context, you're, you're creating content collaboratively with people outside of your organization. I guess, I don't know if you think that there's any benefit for lawyers to think about doing something similar. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, Ryan, Ryan McLeod, um, who writes on uh, Three Geeks and a Law Blog, has said this over and over again. Um, and it's a technology, but it works, it works with, with law and, and thought leadership as well. And he goes, you know, I could, I could write everything out that I'm doing and, and give you my playbook, and you still can't you know, you can't go out there and, and win with that because your entire situation is different than mine. The way that I work with, with uh, my clients and is different than the way you work with yours. You know, there might be a little bit of surface level that you can steal from me, but it, it's not that big of a deal. 
you get more in return when you collaborate with others, whether it's, at, you know, at your firm, of course, you don't want to, you, you want to collaborate high level, you want to collaborate on on issues, you don't want to, you know, give give away, obviously, confidential information with things like that. Of course, but you know, it's such a win-win when you are able to collaborate uh, with, you know, it's like Marlene gave ours at Greenberg Traurig. Um, and yes, they have offices in this, some of the same cities we do. They're not really a competitor for us. They, they've got a different clientele than, than, than we do. But we're able to kind of bounce ideas off of each other and play upon our own networks uh, to build something that actually uh, goes beyond just the two of us. And so I think it's the same thing with, with lawyers. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to collaborate with someone that's, that's at another firm as long as you, know, you have a clear set goal of, of what you're trying to accomplish. And a lot of that may just be educating yourself and educating others. So I, I, you know, obviously you gotta look out and not give away, uh, not give away confidential information, but other than that, don't, don't be afraid to go talk with other people. For sure. I mean, and I think most lawyers would agree that, and I know this from my own experience running a small law firm, um, you know, other lawyers are oftentimes great sources of business anyway. So everyone recognizes that, but you need to take steps to actually develop relationships and collaborate in order to make those relationships fruitful for business development. So, um, so definitely. So Greg, thank you. This is great. Um, before we let you go, can you just maybe uh, point our listeners to where they can find uh, more out more about you and your content. Um, so just kind of give us some, uh, give us some URLs and, and names of your different various platforms. All right. Uh, hold, hold, hold on to your hat here. Uh, the easiest way is, is on Twitter. It's, and it's a simple uh, handle. It's Glambert G Lambert, um, which got me in trouble with Adam Lambert fans, the singer of, of Queen now because they're <laughs> the fans are net known as Glamberts. Um, <laughs> you can go to geeklawblog.com um, and that will get you to most of the podcast uh, as well. And uh, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm in all the usual spots. Great, Greg. Well, thanks again for joining us today. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners. And we'll be back next week with another episode. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.